Kelly Spears, and this is The Dirt, where we dig deep with those helping to feed the world. Episode 20, Stephanie Nash. All right. So this afternoon, I'm sitting down with Stephanie Nash, and Stephanie is a singer-songwriter, and you're originally from California, right? Yeah, Fresno. Fresno. Okay. And that's just, that's literally a couple hours from where I'm from. Um, So we'll get into that here in a little bit, hopefully. But if you could maybe start out by just kind of telling us a little bit about yourself to get things kind of going here. Yeah. All right. Um, So hi, Stephanie Nash. I am a fourth generation dairy farmer uh, slash singer songwriter. I do country music. Um, my family is, has been in the dairy industry for a while now, uh, started in California in Corcoran, California. And, um, the last six years we have been in Tennessee, we moved, um, with regulations in California and the struggles of being in that state. Um, it was best for our family to move our dairy farm somewhere else. So now we reside in middle Tennessee and, um, I watch over the calf management program and a little bit of herd health as well on our farm. Um, and I juggle music on the, on the side. Great. And how did you get into the music thing? Was that something that you kind of always knew you wanted to do or just kind of happened into it? Yeah. So I'll tell you, like I, I grew up leading worship and going to church and doing the, you know, I did singing lessons forever. Um, and moving to Nashville, you know, I started to meet people. I wasn't really looking to do music. You know, I transferred from Fresno state and finished at UT Knoxville. And then when I moved back, I started going like out meeting people. Actually, Charlie Daniels, godson got me into writing again. Cause I've already always written, but not really in depth as much as I thought I could write. Um, so that's kind of how it happened. He was working on the farm and I met him one day and we started writing and then I just kind of fell into it. Crazy. So it was just really kind of a right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah, it was right place, right time. I know a lot of my family and friends were like, well, you're going to Nashville. You're going to be so close. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm going for the farm. Like, and then about two, two years ago, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. And now my new song's coming out Friday. I've committed to Texas radio along with um, just radio everywhere. Like our, my last single went on 18 stations and we're hoping this next song will be even more. So, right. And so this Friday, uh, you have a, your single is time changes, correct? That's the one that's going to be coming out. Yes. So along with that, you also have another project. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. I know you have, you have lots of projects going on. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> um, but time changes is one that you have a, um, a scholarship with FFA, uh, is right. Correct. Yeah. So the scholarship I created as a hope for, um, I didn't know COVID was going to happen at the time I had, you know, kind of gotten this together and being in a year and I was like, Hey, I want to do a chapter scholarship. So it's a little bit different. I mean, I know communities will donate to their chapters, but most of the time when you're competing for a scholarship it's individually as you're going on to college. Um, so I wanted to help a chapter out that needs funding, Um, with stuff going on. I know California schools aren't even in some FFA chapters aren't even meeting. Um, So it's been kind of hard to really advocate for those students to send in videos, um, trying to promote the scholarship, but we do have some entries and I'm hopeful that we can send some money to the chapters that did submit um, here in the next three weeks. Um, So yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah. And where did that idea kind of come from? Was it 
kind of something that you just wanted to give back or was there well I mean I was never a part of FFA I was huge you know I I did 4-H my school didn't have a fifth A but you know I showed cows you know I did the dairy princess thing in California I was young farmers and ranchers and so I think my heart was you know there's so many people helping me growing up to be an advocate and a voice for agriculture like I want to give back to those students and so I hope as the years go by the scholarship will grow and people will know about it um but yeah that that idea just came from me like hearing stories about chapters really not having funding Uh, my girlfriend is a teacher in Bakersfield and I know that she herself has struggled with trying to get funding from for her FFA students and it's a very um you know not the best area in Bakersfield and so these kids have the opportunity to know what hard work is and what agriculture is and I think that's amazing and I would love love to give back to you know schools that really really need that scholarship Absolutely. Yeah. When I saw your, your project, I was trying to figure out as much as I could about it because I thought it was such a um, commendable project and something that, like you said, there's a lot of um, oh. lack of resources for agriculture and FFA uh, programs. So I'm, I'm proud that or excited for you that you're doing it. And I can't wait to see the chapters that get to benefit from it. Yeah. Switching gears a little bit because I am also from California originally. Um, I'm about, I was Northern California about an hour and a half east of um, San Francisco. So like Modesto and like about, that's about 30 minutes from where I'm from. Um, But you obviously left California and your whole family left. What was that transition like for you moving from California where agriculture is not necessarily something that everybody supports um, that you're the surrounding areas maybe don't support and then maybe going into kind of a more agriculture focused area yeah well I will say being in the Central Valley really does bless you as a person mm-hmm. I will say like probably still will be the strongest agriculture community I've ever seen not only you know was I raised with a dad that was the dairy representative for the state but um, I was raised with so many people that really, really wanted to love agriculture and tell the community about it, whether California wanted to accept it or not. It was one of the best programs I've ever been a part of, but moving over to Tennessee, I will say they're a lot more opening to the idea of agriculture and, um, learning about it. That's the difference. So California, when I was dairy princess, a lot of people really didn't care, you know, um, about agriculture or wanting to learn, but here, um, I will say we had some calves at the creamery the other day and people just want to ask questions, which is great because, you know, I didn't get that along California. So transitioning over to Tennessee has been a big difference, mainly weather wise. (laughs) California doesn't rain very much. Um, So I think that's been our biggest challenge is like the rain and the weather. I mean, it's 46 this morning. It's like 60 right now. Next week, it's going to be 80. So it changes really quick. Um, so for me, for, you know, management standpoint for my dad, it, it's, it's a lot more work here in Tennessee to dairy, um, but it's a friendlier state. Interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I wouldn't have, I mean, obviously weather impacts agriculture and farming, but um, not necessarily a biggest, a big point that I would think of. Um, yeah. And then also you guys just had, or I think you just opened up a creamery um, in your local area and that's using milk directly from y'all's dairy? Yeah. So my brother actually went to, um, a couple classes around the United States and my dad as well. Um, but my brother makes ice cream, hand makes ice cream. And, um, we at this point, uh, are hoping to do more of our own product, but right now it's just ice cream. We bring in, uh, MTSU milk, 
we have um, our dairy friends, which they're like right near us at same size dairy farm. Um, they do cheese over there. So we get that from Knoxville. There's some people, you know, down the road that we do honey and local ciders and applesauce. And so coming together as a community and selling other products has been really great for the creamery and for us. And we've been open week three and it's just insane. <laughs> I think people are ready to get out and about and do things. So it's yeah. been nice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I feel, feel like um, it's been a hard time to have businesses, but also kind of a good time just because everyone's ready to go and do things. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, we were shooting for July to open, but we're like, I think we're more blessed that we open the first week of September because I feel like we couldn't have done much yeah. um, in July. So it was, it was a good time for us to open. Exactly. And for the rest of uh, y'all's fluid milk, is that what the majority of y'all's dairy is used for is fluid or is it other products? Yeah, it's fluid. Um, okay. It's fluid. We ship to Publix here in Murfreesboro and um, yeah, we got a couple jerseys for, you know, the butterfat and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, we milk about 1200 head here on our farm. Okay, awesome. And do you guys, I know every dairy is different, but do you guys calve year round or do you kind of have a specific calving season? <laughs> I laugh because that's why I've been so busy. Uh, I had 30, I had 36 heifers last week. So oh this is my biggest calving year since we've moved here. I haven't had this many calves. And so, uh, we calve year round, but like August to the end of September and then November to December okay. are my biggest calving months. Um, <laughs> I just pray that February is, you know, slow. Yeah. I told my dad, I was like, don't breed anybody to, <laughs> to uh, calve in February. It's just so cold here. So yeah. cold. I mean, I mean, not like, you know, you go up to Minnesota, they got snow or New York and stuff, but it's just different, you know, especially with our herd that moved from California, the cows that are here, they're like, they don't know what's going on sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how was the adjustment for the cattle? Was that kind of a big, did they just kind of get off the truck and ready to roll or was it kind of an adjustment for them as well? Well, I mean, it was a process because we didn't, me and my dad talked and my dad was like, well, I, I think I want to send some when they're milking. And I'm like, I don't think you should do that. Um, I was in college at Fresno State at the time. And so like I was trying to juggle that and trying to pick who could go and who would have to be sold. You know, the older ones weren't going to make it. They stopped in San Antonio. Um, but, you know, it's a two and a half day drive. And um, so it was a little bit of a challenge for our older cows that did come. Um, they were in good shape when they when they left California. And then we kind of had to like slowly bring them back once they got here um you know we chose strong cows the, all the all the cows came strong it was just the ride so that was I think that was the most challenging part um and then we had to be milking on Christmas day so we did have a deadline so that was um I was out there with like five layers of clothes on <laughs> and uh mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market milking on christmas day six years ago so um we're just happy to still be in business and you know being able to do what we love 
Absolutely. Yeah. You do, you mentioned you are kind of the head of the calf management side of things. Um, do you mind if we talk about the calf side of things a little bit? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> lots of questions from people. Um, so maybe from your perspective, what are the benefits of when the calf hits the ground? Why do dairy farmers kind of decide to separate the, the cow and the calf? Yeah. So I actually was talking this last week when I had calves out there, I had a, um, two babies, two days old. And somebody came up to me and was like, Oh, well you take, you take the mother away or you you take the calf away. And I'm like, well, it's, you know, for their benefit, you know, we don't do it to be mean or cruel. Um, calves are born with no antibodies. They have to build that up. It's not like, you know, us, we're strong, you know, when we come to a virus and, you know, we've already had it or we're about to experience it, you know, we can, we can fight it off. But as a young calf, they're not going to be, have the ability to fight off um, anything that they might catch. Um, So sanitation is important for us. Colostrum, the mother's first milk within six hours at our farm, we have a nighttime guy. Um, I individually hutch mine. I do, I don't do a calf feeder. I do individual bottles. It's very important to me. I can go on the barn and be like, Hey, how was 97 today? How was 64 today? And I, I know where they are, you know, if they've been sick or if they need to be treated or they're healthier, they need to eat more. So it's very important for me, growth and health. And, you know, that first two weeks becoming, you know, bigger calf and stronger calf building that immunity. Um, so it's very important. Most people don't know that. Right. Absolutely. I think people kind of get caught up in the whole, oh my God, you're taking it away from their mom thing, but they don't yeah. understand the reason why and the reason why it is so important and really to give them the best chance at life, really. Yeah. I think the biggest, that was one of the biggest things when I went through Dairy Princess that, um, you know, other organizations were trying to look bad on a video, you know, you can make anything look bad on a video. Right. Um, um, but the truth is, you know, farmers care. And if they don't, they're probably not in business anymore. Um, it's just the reality of people asking the farmer instead of relying on the internet as well. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And speaking of asking the farmer, one of your other projects is the life of a farmer project. And tell us a little bit about that. I know I've watched lots of your uh, little videos and I love learning about other people's stories, but how, where did that idea come from? So I've been wanting to do this for like a while. I was like, especially last year, I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna work hard, fund it, get ready to go. And I think at the right time when I was, you know, doing music and I found like a videographer that was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. He's been a hundred percent my backbone of the project. Um, and I get to travel like the first, he lives out up in South Carolina. So he got some farmers, um, from South Carolina to start off the series. Um, and then, uh, luckily, uh, I have some of my friends live in Montana. So I got to go to Montana, which was the first rain they've had in four months and it was freezing but it was so worth it and I was like this couldn't be better because they were talking about how long it's they they've been in a drought and they needed the rain the fires were going um close to Bozeman so they really needed rain for their land um so it was just a blessing in disguise they're like you can come back anytime because you're bringing the rain so um I started I mean the series is just everything it's it's more about advocacy it's about the truth of the farmer it's about I want people to see how much we struggle too. Since 2008, I mean, that's the year I remember, even though I was young is, you know, my, that's when my dad started to look elsewhere to farm uh, or to sell. Um, and that's what 
is happening to a lot of people right now. And so I hope with these videos, they grow and grow and grow. Um, RFD TV already picked some up. So I'm humbled that they love the series as well. I got to go on there and, and talk and sing and just tell my story and tell everybody else's. I'm going to North Carolina and Kentucky in the next two months. So you'll be seeing some new states here soon. Awesome. That's exciting. Yeah, I've loved following along and uh, seeing, seeing what you've done through that project as well. So through that, you've done the advocacy side of things. How have you been able to kind of connect your music side of things through also then your passion for agriculture as well? How do those kind of play hand in hand? Well, I think last year when I wrote Time Changes, it really started because um, at first I was writing, um, you know, breakup songs, ballads, right. like I'm, I'm definitely more 90s inspired country. Um, and so when I wrote Time Changes, I was like, man, I need to write more about my life, like who I am as a person, um, what my family does on a day basis, what other families that I'm meeting do on a daily basis. Um, and so it kind of came together. Time Changes came last. The other things that I wanted to do came first. And now that it's, you know, here, we're in October, it's about to release, um, you know, I'm just pushing as many stories as I can. And then obviously the scholarship, I'm emailing schools about the scholarship and as, and, and as well as the song. We did a music video as well, a tribute to farmers, which will come out. I don't know. I can't give you a date uh, to be determined. Um, but I hope this makes an impact in the agriculture community. Yeah, absolutely. And being a young woman in agriculture too, how have you found that to be challenging and rewarding? I mean, you wear many different hats. Uh, yeah. Clearly. So how has that been? I don't know. Cause I, I've never really, I guess growing up, I, I didn't have too many women agriculture figures in my life. You know, my dad was a huge farmer. All of his best friends were dairy farmers or, you know, other, other kind of farmers. But, um, I think it's more of a, I, I feel like it's more of a challenge now than ever, especially with FFA students. They talk about, you know, 50 years of women in agriculture, but for me, it's never been, I've never straight, like I've never, never wanted to do anything else with my life. And so for me, it's always just been the normal, like I'm a woman dairy farmer and I'm proud of it. And I'm the only one out of, you know, high school that, you know, stayed in the farm. A lot of the girls went off and, um, it's something that I'm very proud of. And, um, I take, you know, joy in meeting other women farmers as well and supporting, you know, all of us together. Um, but I, I've also been like, I talk to everybody. I love to get, you know, know everybody in stories and, you know, just excel um, through my voice and through our dairy farm. Yeah. And I think that's a great point that you bring up. I actually just talked to um, Sandy Brock from Canada about, she said, you know, I, I hate to be like a naysayer of movements, but she said this whole women in agriculture thing, like, I think it's great, but like, we've always been in agriculture and just because people are kind of shining a light on it now, it just, it, she said it, it didn't rub her wrong, but it's just a different way to look at it. And it kind of made me stop and think like, wow, she's right. Like we have always been a part of it, but maybe just not a strong voice as maybe we are now. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a thing. Cause when I, they, you know, I spoke at some things before COVID and I was like, you know, I've always been agriculture. I've never second guessed. I've never felt, you know, undermined or not that I had a voice. I've always thought that I've had a voice. Um, but I think it does help to, you know, I went to Fresno State. It was a huge ag school. Um, some of the best professors I could have had um, in my life. And so I think, you know, when you're raised around such a strong community, it makes a difference too. 
Absolutely. I think yeah. it, it adds like a, a level of confidence as well in kind of what you do in life and as you progress through different challenges. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Social media wise, you now obviously have a large presence, not only with the music side of things, but also all of these other projects you have. How have you found social media to either be uh, an aid or a destroyer in things you've been doing? <laughs> I'm just, oh, I'm so bad about this. And I don't know if it's more because I'm a busy bee. Like, I'm so busy. Like, yeah. I just stay busy. And Instagram, you know, I'm on it. I post, you know, Facebook sometimes. Twitter, I, like, I have one. I think I have, like, 10 followers. I don't really do Twitter. And I get, like, a little bit of backlash from people, like, music industry. They're like, you need to build, build, build. And, um, you know, I've been working on my YouTube now because I have the Life of Farmer stories out. I really want people to listen and subscribe. That's the biggest thing that I really want to push right now is those stories. My dad's one, my dad's just came out this morning. And so, um, I've been pushing that one all day. Um, but I mean, it just depends. I, I don't know. I mean, Instagram's great, but for me as an artist, I don't look at the numbers. I look at the music I'm writing. I look at the stories I'm telling and I look at like, who do I want to be? Do I want to be posting every five minutes or do I want to be enjoying my life? And then when it's time for people to know my story, then I'll put it out there and let's see what happens. So that's kind of been my mentality. And not only that, when I, you know, I have some of the best people behind me, they believe in me, my, my mission and my music. And so, um, just to be real, I feel like social media can portray so much negativity. And so for me, it's just been like, you know, I'm just going to tell it how it is. And if something happens, great. If something doesn't, I'm still going to write music and I'm still going to tell the stories. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, yeah. If people can understand that you're just being you, then I think they're more apt to connect with you and follow along with whatever you have going on. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I really respect people like Ashley McBride, you know, she comes in and she does her thing, you know, she'll be out and she writes really good music. And it's not even about like the money or the, you know, the famous life. It's about, you know, you made something of yourself and you're proud of yourself and with that, whichever direction it goes, you're still going to be proud of yourself no matter what. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So just to kind of wrap things up here, um, what is maybe something, obviously you get to interact with lots of different people in lots of different industries. What's something kind of like across the board that you would like to share with maybe somebody who's not as super familiar with agriculture about the agriculture community or industry? Ooh, (laughs) that's a good question. Um, I mean, the first thing I'm going to go back, you know, don't believe everything you see. That's the biggest thing, you know, Um, I've always been really aggressive, even at fairs and stuff like that with people knowing the truth. Mm -hmm. My dad's always been that way. Um, you know, he just got done with a Tennessee dairy commercial, you know, how, how people need to respect agriculture and the 24 hour, 365 days a year. And, you know, things aren't always perfect. You're going to have down cows. You're going to have, like I said, sick calves. You're going to have people, um, that sometimes aren't on your side, that people that abuse, and you're going to have those people. But if you got a good head on your shoulders as a farmer and you try, I mean, my dad's been out cutting. He was out doing hospital this morning. Like he cares. We care as a farm. People care. You just, you don't see it in the internet. You don't see that side of it. So if anybody's listening, talk to a farmer before you just look at the internet. (laughs) That is great advice. I could not agree more with that. Um, 
Stephanie, I want to thank you, first of all, for your time. I know you've had a busy schedule and we've had um, <laughs> challenges connecting, so I want to thank you. Um, but then also, where can people find you and connect with you um, kind of across all of the forms of whatever they can connect with oh, you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Stephanie Nash Music on Facebook and Instagram. And then um, you can go to Stephanie Nash YouTube. I know there's a couple of us, but go to The Life of a Farmer. You usually can find that. We're on episode five. Um, and then... I think that's it. And yeah. then by the time this airs, your song should be live. And oh, that's right. Yeah. So, so all- Time Changes comes yes. out this Friday everywhere. Like stream it everywhere. Um, I know pre-orders going on right now. Um, but yeah, Time Changes, Stephanie Nash, go listen. Please, please, please share because I wrote this in my driveway on our farm after reading a article about California dairies and farmers in California not getting paid for the bullet train and it's happening everywhere. I went to Montana, land is getting bought out by investors. It's happening in South Carolina. So it's time for us to raise our voice a little louder and advocate for agriculture. Absolutely. And I'll also uh, link that as well um, in the description box episode box all that kind of stuff (laughs) Um, so you should be able to find it no matter what platform you're listening or viewing this on uh like I said Stephanie thank you so much for taking time to chat with me I really enjoyed it and um I hope you have a great rest of your day and that um everything goes well with the the new song coming out yeah thank you so much for having me I had a blast I love doing this (laughs) (laughs) thanks for tuning in to this episode of the dirt Don't forget to follow us on social media at AgChicks and that the visual version of every episode can be found on YouTube on our AgChicks channel. We'll see y'all next time.